Thank you. So we're working through the, um, the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, in God's timing, and to be thoroughly daunting, we've reached um, Jesus telling his disciples to turn the other cheek. So when someone comes and confronts them, they turn the other cheek. So I've kind of happily kind of working on this and kind of uh, getting my little academic systems going and, uh, and kind of getting nice little ideas. And then a riot happens, um, and our city gets turned over, and an injustice happens. So what better time to look at injustice, right? I, I feel that, um, that God has been really gracious in this timing and, and that he's given me a word to preach. So I'm just going to pray uh, that as we talk about, well, how do we respond to injustice? That he's going to get me out of the way, uh, that he's going to lift this word up and that we're going to leave here with a, an idea and some answers about what's his picture for justice, for righteousness. How do we respond to it? So I'm just going to, could you pray? If you agree and you're up for this, then say a big amen at the end. Dear Lord, I thank you that you are a God of justice. You were um, at the beginning of the world. You were yesterday. You were today. You are forever a God of justice. Lord, I pray that you would just impress upon us that heart, Lord. I pray that through the words that I speak, Lord, that, that I would be able to get out of the way, Lord. Lord, that you would change our hearts, that we would be able to meet you, and that we would be able to be reconcilers, Lord. We would be able to be uh, someone sent to pick up the pieces. So come now, I pray. Amen. Amen. Justice. Um, it's an incredibly uh, big word. It's a word that we've seen a lot of recently. I'm going to read some uh, uh, newspaper quotes that we've had just in the past week. Um, you can see, you know, you can spot where they're from. Uh, who said them? This one is uh, from, the, from the right. It says, justice will be done. You will feel the full force of the law. And if you are old enough to commit these crimes, you are old enough to feel them, to feel the full consequences. Justice. Uh, those that are involved in criminality, they should be brought to justice. Gangs of looters should be stopped and arrested, and we should all be supporting the police in these efforts. This is from the other side. Young people are crying out for justice. It's a justice issue, right? It's a justice issue. Um, Al Jazeera reported that, that um, people in the streets of London are rioting for justice. And there's an interesting website. This is from the BBC online. Uh, it says that there's a website called Catch a Looter that was set up this morning. It has received a huge response from the public. Catch a Looter is the effort of an anonymous citizen who is running the website whilst maintaining a day job. She says, you can't stand idly by letting people do what they want. Catch a Looter is part of a wider movement to challenge violence. We are witnessing a desire for justice aided by the public and not wholly reliant on an overstretched police force. Massive word. All sides want it. No one deals well with injustice. And it's something that we need to understand. We need to see, actually, where's God in this? The thing is that justice is far easier in theory than it is in practice. It's far easier to desire justice and to want it than to actually do justice. Uh, I have just recently stopped uh, being a teacher um, I would say I've got mixed feelings about it. Actually, it wasn't really my bag. Um, and those of you who are walking me through it know that. Um, but there's a, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine, uh, a, friend, a student of mine, um, who I came quite close to in my sixth form. And this guy, you know, he's a brave guy. He's, um, he's, he's uh, got an incredible faith. And he's a, a Lebanese um, Catholic, a part of the oldest church in the world, actually, the Armenian uh, church. And he's extremely vocal about his faith in a school that's 70% Muslim. So a really um, incredible guy. Um, but as far as I can tell from the class, this is what he views his faith system as. Um, there's a whole list of these things called sins, and sinners do those things. And there's a whole list of things that I do because I'm Christian. 
And uh, the way he responds to his Christianity is that he um, tells other people when they're sinning, which is great. Um, so in the middle of a chemistry lesson, you'll suddenly hear him pipe up and say, no, you can't lie. Jesus says you can't lie um, to, to a Muslim. Um, and uh, it doesn't make him a popular guy. It doesn't make him a popular guy. Um, it, it, it continues. I mean, uh, no, you have to respect sir because the Bible says so. Which is great. Um, I agree. <laughs> I agree with respect. I agree with me getting respected. I completely agree with that. Um, but the problem is that it doesn't make him entirely popular. And the problem is that, that when it comes to his justice, we've got an issue. So at the back of the classroom uh, last year, a guy kind of uh, says to him quite publicly, um, yeah, you, um, you're Christian, yeah? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm Christian. It's like, so you have to forgive, yeah? And he's like, yeah. So if I was to come to your house and I was to murder your mum and your, your brother and your cat and then slap you in the face, would you have to turn the other cheek? <laughs> that kept Nabi very quiet for the first time in my classroom. Um, and you could see in his face um, this kind of oscillation between uh, complete outrage this, this feeling of injustice and then kind of sweeping through to a feeling of despair because he kind of, uh, in this thought experiment, had to forgive this guy, right? Has to practice what he preaches. Outrage, despair. Where are you on this spectrum looking back in the last week? When there's injustice thrown at you, somewhere, the, the flesh, the, the humans we are, we're going to be on that spectrum. We've seen a lot of outrage and we've seen a lot of despair um, it's easier to do justice in theory than in practice. In the crisis, in the cold blood of an injustice, what do we do? And we have to ask some questions. You know, where's God in this? Uh, and what's plan? And how do we become part of God's plan for justice? Um, we're going to start by defining this. And then we're going to kind of go in a little kind of story of justice. We're going to start at the beginning and we're going to go through to the end. Uh, and hopefully we'll be done in time for tea. So the word justice looks like this. Sorry, can I have these slides up? Okay, there's a, a word mispat, which is the Hebrew. We're going to look at the definition, the Hebrew Old Testament definition for justice. This is to treat, to treat people equitably and give people their rights. Um, this is kind of a, a definition from Tim Keller. He's got a great book called Generous Justice. It unpacks these terms. Um, and it's, he says that the word mispat in its various forms occurs 200 times in the Old Testament. Its most basic meaning is to treat people equitably, but it means more in giving people their rights. Next one is sadikah. Translated being just or being righteous, it's a life of right relationships. So when we look at justice, we're going to try and think of it as right relationships. It's just when I treat a human how they should be treated. It's just when I give them their rights. It's just when I love my my wife and and, and my children and my friends and my sisters and my brothers. It's it's right when these things happen. When there's something that goes wrong, when uh, when I am racist... Or when I do something against a person, when I treat a, a rich person better than I treat a poor person, that is not showing equality, that's not a right relationship, that's injustice. And so we're going to be thinking about justice in these terms. Justice is right relationship, and the consequence of justice is peace. When everyone is doing the right thing, when, when I'm connected to you in righteousness, and you in righteousness, and, and I'm receiving love, and I'm being generous, and I'm giving out, that's peace. Um, and Keller kind of relates it to a, uh, a tapestry. You kind of see that that's meant to be a, a loom and a, an interweaving. When there's that many connections in a community, that's peace and that is justice. Conversely, 
Injustice is a severing of relationship. And the result is enmity. Um, Hatred. Hostility. Someone coming up to that that rug, that social fabric, and making a tear in it. It's a severing of relationship. A third term is going to be to bring justice. And we're going to think about that as restoring relationship. A reconciliation. And the thing about reconciliation is it comes at a cost. So if someone does an injustice against you, um, to redeem that relationship, there has to be a cost. Um, the idea of some of these people is that the cost should be prison. Sometimes the cost is an apology. Sometimes the cost is a swallowing of pride. And, and so, but always going from an injustice to a state of peace is going to take a cost. So we're going to look at these things. And we're going to look at it through the context of, uh, of this famous passage. Or are we? Okay. Um, Jesus says that you have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So our outline is we're going to see that God is a God of justice and he's going to bring justice. And he reveals justice in four key ways. Justice in creation, justice in the law, justice in Jesus, and justice in the church. That's going to be our structure today. So we're going to start at the beginning. Justice in creation. If we could... um, Ah, it does work. In the beginning, there was justice. There was justice. If we take justice as right relationship, look look at this picture. We've got God, and he is in right relationship with himself. A God of three persons. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. The Holy Spirit is loved by both and loves both. There's complete equality. There's complete glory. The whole of the story before creation of God's eternal existence and going forward into eternal existence is that God is injustice and God is justice. It's love. It's generosity. Then what happens is that we have creation. That's incredibly hard to read. Um, But we have creation. And the good news is that God is in perfect justice with his creation. Um, What he has is we've got a creation made up of man, a woman, and and the earth. That's quite loose categories, but everything falls in there somewhere. Um, So man, woman, and earth. And these guys are in perfect relationships. So the man works the earth, and the earth makes fruit. And the man and the woman, they live together, and there's complete harmony. They, They are naked and happy, and everything is wonderful. And they're in complete justice with God who walks with them. Now, the relationship between God and man is that God provides everything and man enjoys God. That's it. God provides the air he breathes, the, the, um, the fruit that uh, he eats. God provides everything and uh, the human being uh, has to enjoy God. They're the terms. That's kind of how justice works with God. But the problem is that, uh, that something happened in this world. And that was that, uh, that man caused the first injustice in known history. And that injustice was not just a breaking of relationship with God when he sinned and and ate of this fruit, and Eve ate of this fruit. The injustice was that, that man wanted to become like God. He wanted to reverse the relationship. The relationship works like this. God provides everything, man enjoys God, and obeys this one command, don't eat the fruit. Man tries to get equal with God, 
to reverse that relationship, to rebel against God, and then uh, commits the only thing that, that God told him not to do. It's a complete severing of relationship. It's a complete injustice. And not only that, but very soon afterwards, he then blames it on the woman. What an injustice. What an injustice. So this is a big act. And it ends with uh, the fact that God um, has severed. There's a relationship between God and man and woman that's severed. It's distorted. It's, it's not right. Man was created to be the image of God. And yet man wants equality with God. Man was meant to display God. And yet in displaying God, he defamed God's glory. It's not right. It's unjust. But also there's a further relationship change. There's a change between the man and the woman. Uh, God says to the woman that... that, that um, that her desires will be for the man, and the man will rule over the woman. There's a severing of justice. There's a problem between the man and the woman. And then there's a curse between the man and the earth. Every relationship in this is, is, is subtly twisted and broken. God curses the earth, and he says to man, um, you're going to be out of right relationship with the earth, because it's going to be hard. The fruit's not going to pop up anymore. Your work's going to be toil." So things are in a pretty bad state. Then, as man uh, populates the earth, um, there's a seed of unrighteousness that passes through and passes down. There's a complete break. And so we see, how does God respond to this first injustice? There are two things. There's a consequence and there's grace. Um, this is the chapter of the fall and, and where God comes down and he talks it out. He kind of has that sit-down chat with the man and the woman. Uh, don't read all of it. We're going to hit it piece by piece. The first thing is coming up in red. Um, this is to the woman. There's going to be a, 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 an, an unjust, unjust relationship, a severing between you and man. We've talked about that. Secondly, here's the second consequence just to prove this, that I'm not making it up. Um, this is the stuff about... Um, the, basically the, the ground is cursed because of you. In pain you shall eat all the days of your life. It's hard to work now. There's a disconnect. But the thing is that these consequences are top and tailed by an incredible, uh, unexpected grace. Because here's the story. Though we rebelled against God, he doesn't rebel against us. He still gives us the air to breathe. We're still standing and, and alive in a, in a great creation because of his continuing grace. Two things. The bottom... Uh, 21 says, The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. He gave for their needs. He provided for them. That's grace. That's amazing. And um, when we had treason against God, he came and he gave gifts to us. How about the top? And I will put enmity between you, that's the snake, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Uh, this is the first promise of a solution. What came into the world and actually kind of tempted either way, if you know the story, this is a promise that that's going to get broken. So there's a, an immediate grace of God, and then there's a grace of God that's coming and it's been promised. But God is very patient. The thing is um, that there's a sin here. And we are in the age of sin. What happened when Adam rebelled against God is that he sowed a deep seed of sin and what actually uh, took place is that 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 festered into a disease of heart. Adam had a disease of heart and it's a disease, a sickness that led to his death. We see death now enters. We don't fit in this world anymore. And that this uh, disease is going to plague the whole of the rest of humanity. This is uh, Adam's inheritance that he passes down through all of his children and all of their children. And eventually it kind of works through the generations and the generations. And it comes to us that actually we are all heart sick. 
that we have this sin in here. Why did Adam do this? Well, it's, it's a sin and it passed down. How did the riots in London start? It's actually because um, these kids are heartsick. There's a sin in there. And the people who abused those children and didn't provide for those children, well, they've got a heart sickness too. And uh, what about us? Well, we've got heart sickness too. There's loads of other reasons, but that's, the, that's the kind of the bottom line. And we're going to kind of unpack this. So the thing is that if you sow a seed of injustice, you never know what's going to grow. Just one seed, one little rebellion against God, and look what happened. You sow a seed of injustice in your relationship. If you sow a seed of injustice, you, um, you undermine a friend of yours. Well, you don't know what's going to happen. It, you, it may surprise you, um, but you certainly can't be surprised that it's going to happen. We can't be surprised at what's happened this week. If, if that's your opinion, if you are surprised about this and you're a Christian, well, well you shouldn't be. Because actually, what have we been sowing into our society? A little bit of injustice here. A little bit of neglect here. Um, a police officer doing a stop and search on, a, on an innocent person there. These little um, things, these little enmities, they spiral. Because when you sow a seed of injustice, you never know what's going to come. But the default is that it comes, and it comes pretty bad. Let's see what happened to Adam's sin. Uh, within one generation, we have a murder. The first murder on this earth came, uh, made us, uh, murders Abel. Within seven generations, we meet a man called Lamech. And this is a guy who's uh, he's actually a direct ancestor of Jesus, like kind of way, way back. And Lamech uh, boasts to his wife that, that I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. So it's a spiral. We see the slippery slope that, that comes from this one seed and it kind of seethes out into a sea of injustice. And then what happens? Well, actually, there's a quote in Genesis 6 that we put up here. That's a guy falling down a spiral of injustice right there. Um, yeah, not sure about that. Um, but what happens? Um, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. Do you know that God grieves your injustice to his heart? To his heart. When you're the victim of injustice, God grieves that. It's not on. It's not right. And this human indignation, this, um, this, this thing that we want to keep uh, driving back for injustice, um, that's, that's of God, actually. We want, we want justice. It's just easier to desire than it is to do. The Lord said, this is reading from verse 7, um, I will blot out man who I have created from the face of the earth, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. There is a consequence. This is a God who fiercely hates the injustice of this earth. And I'm not going to worship any other God who isn't. He fiercely hates injustice. And there's a consequence. But there is a grace. As far as we know, there's no reason why Noah should have favour here. But, but he does. And afterwards, there's a promise given to know that God will never do the same again. And we live in that promise. There's a grace there. And for some, this is quite a, a, a picture of God that people find hard to understand. But praise God that God hates what happened in London this week and what we've been brewing for so long. See, the thing is, if everyone's sinful and we call to God for justice, will we go down with the ship? 
If God was to come in and, and, and to, to kind of cash out, he's going to take back and, and bring everyone who's just with him. Well, at this point, no one wins. No one wins. Um, very famously, a new, um, a, I think it was the New York Times kind of wrote, published uh, an, an article asking for letters to say, what is wrong with the world? Sorry, it was the Times. What is wrong with the world? This was in, uh, I think it was about the late 88, uh, the early 20th century. And this guy is called um, G.K. Chesterton, very famous uh, Christian um, apologist and writer who wrote Orthodoxy, which is an absolute, just a killer book. It's so good. Um, but he wrote in, you know, the Christian voice. What's wrong with the world? And you'd think he had a big list of things to say. You'd think he'd write something like this to say, well, actually, you know, it started and blah, blah, blah. Um, this is what he wrote um, to, the, uh, to the newspaper. Dear sir, I am. Yours sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. If God came and um, he, he got rid of all injustice, just like that, if that was his method, we go down with the ship. So we shouldn't be surprised. This week there have been a thousand people rioting in our city. Tonight there'll be thousands of, of, of sex slaves trafficked to our country, going about their usual business. Right now there are tens of thousands of children who are neglected, who are fatherless, who are being, having seeds sown in them. And you know what? With our generation, they'll come up and they'll write to you. This isn't going to surprise us. We need to know how to respond. Because it will happen again, just in different forms. If, if this is your first glimpse of injustice in this city, and then I think you should go back and have another look. Because we're not called to a healthy world. We're called to one that's actually quite sick. But we are called. What does God do about justice? Well, he can destroy it, or he can redeem it. And he has grace. Justice in creation, our injustice. The next point is justice uh, in the law. See, the way that God does this, we've got a sea of, um, we've got a sea of sin in this, in this kind of testamental time, a sea of sin everywhere. Everyone's doing their own thing. Uh, and what he does is he chooses a people, he gives them something beautiful, and he puts them on display for the world to see. That's what it works. And the thing, the people he gives this gift to are called Israel. It started with Abraham. He gave them incredible promises uh, that we still live out today. And Abraham grew into a a nation uh, called Israel. And the people of God, this chosen people, um, spent spent 400 years in slavery. uh, This kind of really, this dark, unjust, kind of uh, horrible existence. And then uh, Moses came along and redeemed them. This is the prince of Egypt, right? He kind of comes and he takes them across uh, the Red Sea and into into um, into the wilderness on the way to the promised land. And it's here that God intervenes for justice. He gives them a beautiful thing. He gives them the law. Now, we're not really into the law at the moment. You say the law and you tell someone to follow the law. And that kind of uh, smacks of legalism. And it's kind of like, oh, you know, well, you know we're under grace. Um, and and uh, grace is incredible. But you know what Paul says in 1 Timothy 18? He says the law is good. That's not 18. It's 1 verse 8. There's no 1 Timothy 18. There's a colon. 1 Timothy uh, 1 verse 8. He says the law is good. And you know what? The law is good. There's an entire psalm. The longest chapter of the Bible praises the law. And you know what? The law is good news because if you follow the law, there's no poor. The law says that you give your, um, you distribute your income. The law says that if you own a field, as the rich people did, you, you leave the outside, the very outside of it, um, you don't harvest that because then the poor come and they, they actually eat that. The law is great news. Every 25 years, the year of Jubilee, all debts are cancelled. If we cancel debt to Africa today, what an incredible justice. The law is good um, if you follow it. 
The law brings peace, freedom, justice, flourishing. It brings the blessing of God, and it's uh, an incredible manifestation of his justice. Um, and this is what part of the law says. Sorry, this, sorry, this is, this is a, a um, talking about when Moses comes down with the law. It says, See, I have taught you statutes and rules, as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land, and that you are entering and keep, take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for this will be your wisdom... And your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this is a great nation and a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there to have a God so near to him as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on him? And what great nation is there that is statutes and rules so righteous as the law I set you before you today? The point of the law is that we are to do justice with it. And people will look at it and say, wow, their God is just. They are amazing. We want to copy that. We want to do that. And we want to be a part of this. That's the glory of the law. Um, the passage we looked at, uh, the passage especially that Jesus looked at in his sermon, uh, said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth. This is the context of that. The context is, you do this gracious, this loving, this incredible law, and people will look at it, they'll take notice, and that will be justice. It's a model. We're revealing God. And this is the passage where it says, um, when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman, so her child came out, so, so, sorry, so that her children come out, um, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall sorely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose upon him, and he shall pay the judges the permit. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wind for wind, stripe for stripe. So that's the context. It's um, who's it protecting? Uh, the weakest people in society. Actually, anyone. The law protects everyone. The law's good for everyone. That's why God gave it. Who's executing it? Judges. The community. This isn't Lamech just taking it out on his neighbor. This is a, a system of justice that we still use today. We use justice. We use witnesses. Um, there, are, there are actually um, three references uh, to this eye for an eye, um, and that's one of them. So it's, it's to look out for everyone, but the most important thing is it's for the judges. So, in summary, what does the law say? The law, say, the law says, live justly. This is how it works. The law says, live justly. Why? Because God is just. You know, be holy because I am holy. The Lord, he's, he's just. And also that he has chosen, God has chosen to reveal himself through Israel. That's his choice. They should live justly because God is just and he reveals himself through Israel. Problem, there's no change of heart. Israel is still sin sick. So is it any surprise that um, they don't keep the law and they don't get the blessing? That's still to come. God is still patient. So that's the law. And between then and Jesus, um, a group called the Pharisees come. And um, they actually have quite a good heart in, in some regards in that they want to, um, you know, they, they want to, be right by this they want to be justified they want blessing they want blessing um but they notice that well actually kind of they they can't do the law because the law is too difficult so over the last few weeks we've looked at different ways the pharisees have have altered the interpretation of old testament passages to suit their needs and here's what they did they took this community ethic this idea of judges and community and they made it a personal ethic someone hits them they hit them back eye for an eye someone kind of cuts in on them they cut in on them eye for an eye Someone walks past them and treads on their foot. Probably an eye for an eye, right? Just stamp on it back. Um, and, and that's how they justify themselves. And this is what Jesus is addressing. I think that Jesus 
His new way is the old way. As a community, we've got to live just because we serve a just God and we reveal him to the people around us. So the old stays. But let's see um, what the new reveals about God. Jesus, in his sermon to his disciples, says, um, I've, I've, this is the exact words from the scripture. I've changed the, the structure um, to kind of see how it flows. Um, you've heard it said, knife and I, a tooth for tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone strikes in the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you, take his tunic and let your cloak and well as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give from the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who will borrow from you. First point, um, Jesus calls people evil. Okay, that's a word that even this week people don't like. Do not resist the one who is evil. This is what um, a man called uh, Bonhoeffer said about this quote. We are not confronted with evil in the abstract, but with an evil person. Jesus bluntly calls the evil person evil. If I am assailed, I am not to condone or justify aggression. Patient endurance of evil does not mean recognition of its rights. The very fact that the evil one which assaults him is unjustifiable makes it an imperative that he should not resist it, but plays it out and overcomes it by patiently enduring the evil person. Suffering willingly endured is stronger than evil. It spells in death to evil. Bonhoeffer, that's in the cost of discipleship. So the evil one, right? That's good news. When someone inflicts evil upon you, you can call that an evil thing. That's wrong and God hates it. But the Christian response is a, is a very interesting one. Um, if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. Um, for this demonstration, can I have two volunteers? Dave and Andy, can you stand, please? Okay. Um, who wants to be um, a victim of an injustice? Hey! <laughs> That's good, Andy. Okay, so what I'd like to do is, um, first, can you point to your right? In three, two, one, go. Point to your right. Okay, now face each other and point to the right. Good. Now, Andy, can you slap... <laughs> okay, are you right-handed? Can you pretend you're right-handed? Thanks. Can you... Um, actually, no, Dave, are you right-handed? Can you inflict an evil upon uh, Andy's right cheek? Okay, backhand, right? Can you go? Yeah, go, you, can, you, you can mock it this up. You don't have to time hit him. But definitely, can you can you just can you pretend you, you hit him? Okay. Okay. Thank you. Good. And stay standing. That's that's awesome. A backhand slap. Okay. In the time of Jesus, very 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 insulting. Much more insulting than the front. And then now you have to unfortunately ask him to slap on you on the cheek. So can you play that out, please? Okay. I reckon that's got more power to it. Okay, they're, you know, they're coming from the right side and the right side. It's so insulting and maybe more power, but that's cool. Um, so, so let's play the, who's the victim. Who's the victim here? Andy. Okay, how do you feel? Wounded. Okay. Wounded and dishevelled and dismayed. That's, 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 that's exactly what I'd expect a victim of injustice to feel like. He's laughing, yeah. He's laughing. Okay, what can we do to fix this? What do you want to do? What, what, how can we fix this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> For the purpose of the recording, that was I don't have any other cheeks. Um, 
That's cool. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Okay, so this is a modern culture thing, right? I'm going to... We said a definition of righteousness is right relationships. Modern cultures work like this. Righteousness is me getting my rights. Justice is me getting my rights. Injustice is when my rights aren't, aren't, aren't talked about. Injustice is me not getting my rights. You've had your rights violated. That made you feel sad and disheveled. Um, and so actually, this is a modern picture, okay? That, that your, your rights get put out of whack. Now we're going to do a traditional culture, okay? That's the modern picture. Injustice is, I don't get my rights. Okay, so now, actually, do you want to be the um, aggressor? And do you want to be the victim of injustice now? Okay, and you guys are the community, okay? You are all, you're all the community, and these guys are part of you. Um, can you perform an injustice, please? Yeah, similar to, yeah, you're all doing slapping. <laughs> okay, how do you feel, community? Angry, okay. You know what? This man has just sown a seed of injustice in your community. You have to live with these guys. Your tent's pitched next to their tent. There's a traditional culture. Actually, um, yeah, Dave was a victim of that injustice right then. But so are you. Um, thank you, guys. That's, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah, cheers. Okay, this is an incredible, um, incredible piece of literature I found on uh, traditional cultures and injustice. The Nanant, this, uh, sorry, this is taken from the um, Pashtun tribe of Afghanistan. Okay, this is about their justice system, the Pashtun in Afghanistan. The Nanant is a ceremony in which the criminal offender brings flour and kills a sheep for a community feast, often held at the victim's house, where the victim will participate in the cooking of the offender, the cooking the offender brings. <laughs> there are no offenders harmed in this ceremony, okay? The offender is not cooked. Um, the, 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 the lamb is cooked. Um, yes. The offender will not be told that he is bad and in need of reform, but rather, you have done an injustice to this person. Okay, that's what they're told. You've done an injustice here. At the same time, they will be assured that you are one of us and we accept you back among us. Wow, that's traditional culture. And they don't have police, they don't have courts. Um, the, the, the community gathers the offender in and there's a, a reconciliation. It's a peacemaking. And that's how traditional cultures work. Um, yeah, we're in a modern culture here. Some people are in traditional culture. But we're a gospel culture. Who, who's the victim in that slap? God is. When a human being decides to do an injustice, the individual they do it against suffers, yes, and God hates that. And the community suffers, yes, and God absolutely hates that. But you know what? The person who was made in the image of God has defiled uh, their image in him, and, and God has, God's glory is put to a ruin. Not put to ruin. That's overstating the case. But you know, the problem is that actually the injustice is against heaven. We've got three factors here. This person is breaking relationship with God. So you've got these three different injustices against three different people. And the question is, which do you care about more? In modern cultures, you probably care about my rights more. In traditional cultures, the community is probably a big thing. In the church, we should have our hearts burning against the people who God created in their image, destroying his creation and de-glorifying him. Praise God, he has an incredible plan for his glory. But see, the thing is, we're going to look at this, this slap as a, a prototype, then look at the other three things really quickly. So the thing is, when someone gets slapped, um, 
the, the biological thing that we get taught about in GCSE biology is there's going to be two responses. The adrenal glands are going to produce this amazing adrenaline and we're going to fight or we're going to flight. Um, I once was in um, Amsham High Street uh, when I was, uh, I, I think I'm pretty sure I was 18, um, kind of going out for a, for a little drink on a Friday night to the Eagle, um, or dubbed the Ill Eagle, because people who weren't 18 like me um, went there for a drink. Um, we were walking down the high street, four friends. We're kind of walking past, and then these guys kind of come up and sh- shove the front two, one on each shoulder. And it was really interesting what happened in these four uh, friends of ours. We all turned around. Um, the, the two of us, my friend and my, uh, myself and my friend James, we decided that we would take the wise approach. Um, and we'd step back. Um, uh, flight, I suppose. Um, Paul and Andrew, uh, they, um, they were protecting honor and justice. They fought. Um, I, um, I think my decision was vindicated when uh, Andy and Paul um, got punched in the face and it was all bad. But we laugh about it now. Um, but the thing is that that demonstrates that there's fight or flight, right? And different people will, will have a propensity to, to go up and defend their rights to, uh, to retaliation or their rights to security. It's all individual stuff. Um, the question is, are you a fighter or a flighter? The fighting is about a pride. It's about showing of strength. And it's about anger sometimes. Um, it's about righteousness. That's the good thing about it. Actually, it's about that's not right. Uh, but it ends in a, a self-righteousness and a self-importance. If you're the person going after every little injustice in a fighting mode, you sometimes become quite you know, I'm, you know, self-righteous, self-important. You're the one who's bigger and better than the rest. If you're like me, kind of cowering at the back. Um, I just realized it's the first time my mum's actually heard this story, so sorry about this. Thank you. <laughs> um, Flight, people. This is about security. It's about non-confrontation. It's about cowardice. And it ends in you being a moaner. You, just, well, you know, these riots, they're awful. I don't feel safe. This is, this, is the most, this is a terrible thing. This country, what's it going to? You end in moaning. And you end in a, a self-pity. The Christian is not called to fight or flight. The Christian is called to redeem the process by finding a higher way that is to actively confront the evil and make the person face the evil, not for vengeance's sake, but for the sake of righteousness in the Lord. And that's what Jesus says, I think. That we're to actively go against it because injustice is a ruining of a relationship, and we're not about that. We're about peace. We're not about enmity. The Christian has to actively confront the evil and make the person face the evil, not face Uh, your vengeance and turn the other cheek is an example of how jesus demonstrates you can do this he says sacrifice your personal rights when you go for that second hit they're gonna actually it's double or quits are they going to engage in that injustice again when they've got no reason to at all if they don't do it then that's amazing that's a redemption of your relationship and actually that's an injustice that's um that's not going to bear harder fruit they do hit you they've they've doubled it but, but you've stood there for the glory of god right been persecuted for him and that's the picture that's what we're going to we're going to go to increased application um, further but it's about rights personal rights jesus doesn't hit it there the first one slap on the cheek personal rights the next one is actually um legal rights uh, i was doing this last night uh, for those of you who can't read this this is filling in my tax return um for david roberts and there's a lovely box there that says um expenses accrued in your self-employment um 
And the first thing I think of when I think of an expense accrued in my employment as a tutor is how much I use this thing. Mmm, MacBook Air. Um, this is, I definitely have used this for tutoring. Definitely. Um, and, and I feel kind of, you know, it is kind of a, a, a right of mine. And this is, uh, this is something that actually everyone else does. Everyone else puts random little things on, on their expenses um, because that's, that's something that I did for, uh, for work. Um, but it's not an expense. Everyone else does it, but we're called to justice. We're called to be right legally. And we need to make sure that we go beyond. If someone, uh, if, if legally you have to pay a fine, we should be in our heart of hearts willing to give them money. We should be willing to double it if, if need be. Because actually, what is money? We don't care. It's about heart issue. It's legal rights as well as personal rights. But it's more than that. It's actually political rights. Jesus says you should go the extra mile. This is something that's... Um, the context of this is well known, that, that actually a Roman soldier could ask you to carry his pack a mile, right? If you, if you were, if this is a time where Israel and Jerusalem was occupied, an occupied force. And Jesus says, actually, the word he uses is, if someone compels you to go a mile, go two. Um, what do you think of this image? See, we don't understand the enmity between Romans and Palestinians, but we all know what a swastika is, right? If you were a French um, resident in the 40s, or if you were in Jersey and there was an occupying Nazi force, would you go an extra mile? Would you open up a hand of reconciliation? If you were a young black male in the streets of Tottenham who has flying colours at, um, at school, an active member of the community, and you got thrust against the pavement or against the wall in a, in a stop and search... Police didn't find anything, just threw you off. This is exactly what it's talking about. That's an injustice there. And as Christians, how hard is it to go the extra mile? How hard is it? It's tough. It's about rights. It's about rights. Um, I want to kind of interpret Jesus' passage here by saying this. This kind of brings everything together before we apply it. Uh, so you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Um, I, I think that this is kind of just loosely saying... Um, you have heard it said, reveal God's justice and mercy by keeping the law in community. Um, but I say to you, I kind of want to interpret this as saying, um, but I say to you, in addition, do not claim your individual rights when suffering injustice. Your personal rights, your legal rights, and your political rights, and be generous. Why? Because it's been revealed to us that we should actively confront sin in an attempt to redeem the act and restore justice. We can't be stuck in the past. The Pharisees lived out an eye for an eye. And it looked like a God who ticks boxes. And it looked like a God who isn't interested in reconciliation. Just justice. We've got the whole gospel to show. But does it work? And this is the, always the, the, the part of the sound that, that is, is um, the glory to get to last. And it's how Jesus practiced what he preached. Incredible. Incredible. How did Jesus respond to injustice? Well, just like Israel, he was sent to show God amongst a sea of sin. People around him with a heart sickness. Um, and how did Jesus turn the other cheek? Well, a great example is when he was tied to a whipping post with a flax that had barbs and metal and knots and whipped on the side. And he turned his cheek. He was whipped on the other side. 
And how many times did he turn his cheek? 37 times. He was flogged. Was this in his rights? Or did he lay them down? After that, um, a a crown of thorns was sunk uh, into the flesh of his head and it probably penetrated uh, parts of his skull. He was beaten again for good measure. His beard ripped out his face one side and then he turned the other. And then he went to the cross. This is how Jesus lays down his rights, right? Why? Because to get from enmity to peace, there has to be a cost. And Jesus is about reconciliation. What a cost. What an incredible cost. How did Jesus give his cloak? Well, Jesus didn't actually have many possessions. Um, He's born into a very poor family and then went around with nothing. But he ended by giving away all his possessions, every single one of them. He didn't just give away his tunic, he gave away his cloak and his shoes, and he was there naked on a cross. What incredible, um, what incredible uh, abuse of Jesus' legal rights. But why? Because it's a cost. Because to get people who are sin-sick reconciled, to get this huge problem that's in the way, to, that's ruining our society, that is an affront on the glory of God, to get that sorted, there's a cost. And Jesus is willing to pay that to reconcile you. To reconcile the world to himself. He paid that cost. And it took every uh, thing he owned to drop every legal right he had. How did Jesus walk the extra mile? Well, he traipsed around the city, right? He went from unfair trial to unfair trial for Sanhedrin and before Pilate and around the block. And then he um, put a cross on his back and his extra mile was under the weight of a cross half flogged and with his beard ripped out until he, he fell under the weight of it and Simon Sarin had to pick it up and take it the extra mile onto his crucifixion what an amazing model and did it work? well the cost is paid and why? well it's absolutely every ounce for us God could vindicate his glory by smiting everyone off the earth again, but he didn't. He chose to wait and to delay and to be patient and then to give of himself to an absolutely incredible cost. To reconcile us. To pay for us because he loves us. And he's not going to sweep sin under the carpet. He's not going to take us into heaven with with sin sickness in our heart. He's going to get it out. And he's going to reconcile us so we're at peace before God. What an amazing demonstration of the rights of God. Incredible. Because where there's injustice, there has to be cost. There has to be cost. It's just right. That's how God stays glorious. I'm going to read this, this thing to you again. I've, I've read it before. It's about the Nancy, the Pashtun tribe in Afghanistan. What an incredible picture of, of justice. The Nancy is a ceremony in which the criminal offender brings flour and kills a sheep for a community feast, often held in the victim's house, where the victim will participate in cooking what the offender brings. We've offended God, and he takes us into his house. He takes us into his house. And not just for a feast, but for an eternity. Amazing. But in this culture, the victim had to pay the price. The cost had to be paid by the victim. A lamb's quite a lot of money. But but what an incredible cost that God paid to allow us to turn up to his house empty-handed. We come to heaven and we have nothing except for enmity with God. And, and he comes and he provides the cost, he provides the house, and he, he slayed his son so that we could partake in a feast that lasts eternity. Wow. Amazing. I'm going to read on. 
in this tribe, at the ceremonial part of the event, the offender is not told that he is bad and need to reform. It's not Navi in my classroom. You sinned, you sinned, you sinned. What are they told? What are we told? What's God whispering in your ear? At the same time, they will be assured that you are one of us and we accept you back among us. This is the feast of the cross. This is what Jesus is about. This is exactly why he laid his life down. So that he says to us, uh, Dave, you're a sinner. You've caused immense injustice against me. You've ruined your community. You've broken relationship here, there, and everywhere. Uh, but you're one of us. It's because of the cost. So what does Jesus say to rioters, to bankers, to, neglect, to neglectful fathers, to the church? He says, be reconciled. He says, be reconciled. Don't live in enmity. Don't feed this thing. Be reconciled to me because the cost is paid. It's a real thing. There's a a structure going on here. This is a story that's lasted through the generations. And it's a victorious story. We've seen Israel that's called to this mess. uh, And they're a light in it, but not a very good one. And then we see Jesus who's called to this mess. And he lives it out perfectly so we can be reconciled to him. What now, church? We're in a mess right here. Sinsick people all around us. We were one of them. And we've got to love on them. And we need to bring God's grace. And this is what Paul says to this situation. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. It's not just uh, what happened the night before that made them do this. Even though we were once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come, the new heart. There's no sickness here. We're ready. All this is from God. And through Christ, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are reconciled to him. Now we go. We do peace. We make peace. Because the hardest peace was made with us. That is, in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is how we respond to injustice. We are reconciled and we go out and we proclaim the cost is paid. We multiply new hearts. We glorify God. It's about going into places of enmity. It's about going into mess and about laying down our rights to see people glorified and to be reconciled and that God can have every ounce of glory. There's a victory here. And we can only achieve it through the cross and our message is one of the cross and our life, our action, when we lay down our rights, what should be stated verbally and also in our actions is be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. So what do we do? We keep peace. We become reconciled. We stay peaceful amongst us. We are a a community of peace. We're a people of peace. Keep it that way. Don't sow injustice in the church. When it's there, get it out before night falls, right? We stay reconciled. We keep the peace. We do justice. We do service. We call for peace. We are allowed to join political movements. In 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 an app place, we are meant to call as a community for peace. We, we stand up for those oppressed. We do that. We don't have to turn the other cheek. It doesn't mean cower and run away. It means no. You have to stand up and engage in a different manner. And we make peace. We are peacemakers because we serve the peacemaker. By 
I, I don't know, this, this is by laying down rights. And I just got here in bold a message that I thought God wants to put on people's hearts very firmly. Be increasingly and courageously vulnerable for the glory of God. I think that's what this is saying. Be increasingly and courageously vulnerable for the glory of God with patient endurance and overwhelming love. What does this look like? Um, if you want a story about turning the other cheek, I would recommend you find um, Hazer and Lena. When they go on to St. Pancras Way Estate, they lay down their rights. They, they have a right to live in an awesome place um, of, of harmony and safety, security. They don't. They lay it down to live in a tough estate where they need to trust and depend on God. And, and when they approach people to become friends with these people, and when they try and do love and community, uh, they get knocked back. They've been there how many months? Um, and just now the fruits come. And how's it come? Turning the cheek, time after time after time. Um, you know, do you want to come over for coffee? No, no, no. The second time's harder, right? Once you've been knocked back, it's so hard to go in again. But they did, and they persisted, and glory. Because these people you're ministering to, they'll come. They'll be reconciled. They'll see your justice. How do we turn the other cheek? Uh, find Foxy and talk to him about the toughest kids he works with in this youth work. He does. How does he get to be loved by them and to, to, to come in and to make difference? It's turning the other cheek. It's going the extra mile. It's giving this cloak. It's, it's a, a vulnerability that's courageous and it ends in God being glorified. How do you do this? How do you turn the other cheek? I would say... Find an injustice that sits on your heart like nothing else, be it fatherlessness, be it prostitution, be it just community breakdown, and run at it being courageously vulnerable and willing to go again and go again and go again and join a gospel community. If there's not one that suits your fight for injustice, then find one or make one and go again. Because this is what we're called to. We are part of the messy task of reconciliation one that Jesus has already borne the cost of so where does this leave us um, be reconciled just just be reconciled if you, if you don't know what Jesus did for you on the cross find out more it's too big it's too much uh, of, he went through too much um, and it's, it's the ultimate thing in life just do it be reconciled to him find out more if you need to but just, just do it cost has been paid and we need to go out and be reconciled we need to keep peace in our relationships in a wider community we need to do this thing how does god respond to the rights it's no surprise to us but his response god's response is us so let's step up and be courageous i'm going to pray oh lord we thank you for the cost Praise that you are a God who isn't distant and, and calling on us to do these crazy, weird things. But Lord, you're a God who's intimate with us. You're a God who suffers uh, with us and for us. And Lord, we come to you and we say thank you for the cross. Lord, we want to be uh, full, fully aware of the cost of our reconciliation, Lord. And we, want, we just love you for it. We praise you, Lord. What joy to be part of your victory. Lord, we're going home and we're going to sit at your, uh, at your feast for eternity. And, and you provided the lamb. Thank you, Lord. What joy. And Lord, we thank you for the hope. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, yours is a way that brings hope to our nation, our city. Lord, we thank you that, that you know how this ends. And Lord, I pray that you would give us uh, such a, a joy in it, Lord. Such a peace at your presence. And Lord, that you commission this church to shine righteousness into this world and to be ministers of reconciliation.
Lord, will you raise up people now? If you've got a burden uh, to be a reconciler, Lord, I just pray that you would just pray this prayer. Lord, raise up uh, people who are going to be reconcilers and lead this thing. And Lord, I thank you that we can overcome evil with good, following after you. Lord, we thank you. Bless you. And Lord, we deeply pray that you can change us.